0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Church podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page at cornerstonebv. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Man, all right. You can have a seat. How are we doing this morning? Happy fourth, 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 fourth of. Let me just say that again. Happy 4th of July weekend, whatever you're doing. Be safe. Don't blow your arm off or anything like that. Um, I wanted to, uh, we're actually in in Acts focusing on a passage in chapter 4 that's um, not one that you would typically hear a full sermon on. I don't think. I'm sure it's happened. But um, but I decided to as we were carving this this series out because of one specific thing. And so I I, um, have here before you, some of you might have already seen this, I know what you're thinking. Jamie, you've had two weekends off. You couldn't come up with anything more than the sponges and water again? Really? I'm working on one that involves a plunger. Just ask Liz about that. D- don't worry, I'll, I'll test it on the youth group before I bring it here, all right? Um, and, and so I wanted to, because I, I want to just ask this question. That's the, the question is, um, the fix my mic here, the, the, the title of our message, and it's just a simple question right when we get squeezed what comes out anybody know i can't hear you somebody yell it what's inside? what's inside you're absolutely correct what a smart crew this is right and sometimes i think last night at our five people were trying to come up with all kinds of crazy answers right kelly that was a good answer it just wasn't what i was looking for right I'm looking for simple, right? What you, when you get squeezed, because I use these sponges, and, and they're kind of like people, and from a, it's getting a little bit raggedy now, um, but it, it, these sponges, you know, they're kind of like people. We, we could sort of look alike when we come to church, and be like, yeah, my face's strong, or this or that, and, and project that until life kind of squeezes on us a little bit, right? And you can see, I don't know if you can see from back there, I'm trying to be careful, we just cleaned our rugs, so... Uh, but it, it, this is kind of some dirty water. So when 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 things happen in life, what comes out? Right? We're going to see the apostles and the early Christians get really really they're in a place where we left them last weekend squeezed and what's going to come out. You see there's 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 what we really want to come out and that's faith. Trusting God. Right? But the, the, and we're going to see the language of faith is prayer. The language of faithlessness is something that we've all experienced. Let's admit it. Worry, doubt, fear, anger. Not this crowd. Not anger, right? Bitterness because we lack trust. So, so the, the idea is in life the squeeze comes. And then we see not just what am I saying I am. But what's actually inside. All right? Let's pray as I wipe my hands off from this dirty water. Lord, we we come before you. Um, this is your truth. This is your time with us. I'm so grateful um, this whole weekend for um, you blessing us with, uh, Greg leading us through the amazing supper where we remember Jesus. Thank you so much for our, our musicians and worship team as they've led us through singing and song. Thank you for uh, those with who have served with a greeting or refreshments, especially, Lord, our prayers for those who are downstairs with our kids and our babies. We're so grateful for the time they put into blessing them and teaching them your word. Lord, I pray that you would use this time to make us more like Jesus. That if someone needs to know Jesus for the first time, this would happen today by your power for those of us that have been Christians for a little while or a long time, that you would change us, that we leave here changed for the better, that you challenge us or encourage us, help us, show us what faith looks like when life gets hard. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right. So if uh, you're following, we always put it on the screen, but if you're following along in your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 4, verse 22. Three. Um, by the way, this is electric blue, in case any of you were wondering the name of the color. All right. Um, I know you were really curious about that. Uh, it, so um, the last two weekends, uh, Pastor Bob just did a great job handling most of chapter four. By the way, Bob is, um, you probably know this, but he's a great gift to this church. And you and you, uh, no, don't applaud. I never get that, right? No, you're right, and and, and especially and to me personally, right? He's had a lot of experience, um, and he's been a lead pastor in churches for years and years. And he came here, and so that's that's a humble step to say I'm not that guy anymore. I'm going to help. Him to not make as many mistakes, and uh, so if you knew how much of a gift he was, you'd plead with him to not retire. All right, because um, uh, uh, he's not talking about that yet, but you know someday it'll happen. So plead with him. All right, um, but he did an amazing job, and, and so he left us in chapter four where the apostles uh, uh, are being squeezed big time. But before we get to that, let me just backtrack a second. In the book of Acts started right. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, and he tells him, "You have a mission." And he's telling, you know, about what we have in the room here, right? Like around this, a number of people. Uh, and he says, I want you to take this gospel, this truth, and I want you to go. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go to Samaria. I want you to go to the ends of the earth with it, right? That's an impossible mission. But then Pentecost happens. The Spirit comes, fills them. Peter preaches, 3,000 come to Christ, right? And then we've seen in early chapters, praying, generosity, the church is moving, the whole city of Jerusalem is getting up, just in an uproar over this Jesus and this gospel. But then, right, a healing happens. You remember that. Peter and John heal a crippled man, had been crippled his whole life. He's just like in his 40s now. And so that just Creates an even crazier, oh my goodness, what's and then they preach the gospel well, again and more. I mean, the whole thing's going crazy. It's all awesome stuff. But now they've gotten the attention of the authorities. So the high council, which is called the Sanhedrin, scribes, priests, right, a collection of them in charge of the Jewish faith, right, they're the ones that hated and were part of the handing over Jesus to kill him. And usually, because a lot of false, put it in quotes, messiahs or anointed ones who would say that they're the messiah, what they would do is kill them. and guess what? All the followers went away, and it was gone. But for some bizarre reason, this Jesus, they killed, horrifically by the way, right, on the accursed cross, and at the time it seemed like he barely had any followers. Wherever they were, they were kind of scattered, and now... The whole city's talking about Jesus. What is going on? And they find that these apostles are preaching that yes, he died, but he also rose. And so they call him in. If you were here last week, they call him in. And they're like, stop it. Stop preaching the name of Jesus or else. That's my translation, but you get the point. And so that the squeeze, right? Like, talk about a squeeze. Like now, your, your life, your your family, your pocketbook, bank account, your comforts and pleasures, your freedom, your even, your very life is threatened. Do we keep going or do we give up, squeeze, right? And so if you were here last week, it was like the end of a epic Hollywood movie, right? Or else, and it's like, well, you got to do what you got to do, but as for, uh, for us, we will preach what we have seen and heard, yes, roll credits, right? Movie's over, you eat the rest of your popcorn and you go home, wasn't that great. The problem is, they had to leave there and they had to keep living their life. And they had to live their life with that over their heads. Do I do this and maybe die? Most of them, by the way, would eventually. You wanna squeeze, man, that is a squeeze. So what comes out? Well, that's why I wanted to focus on this kind of obscure passage that follows that one Um, and so verse 23 when they were released they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them so there's this group they're already together for whatever reason probably praying for them because they're in with the high council who knows what could happen and they come back and they're like "All right, well this is this is it like they killed Jesus and they said they're gonna do the same thing to us but I want you to notice first how important it is to have your people, your friends, your Christian friends. And it's good to gather in a big gathering and corporate worship. They did that too. Right? They had thousands of people. They were a mega church in Jerusalem, right? But you gotta have your people. I plead with you all the time, don't do this by yourself. You need those people. You come and you say, this is where I'm feeling it. This is where it hurts. This is where I'm afraid. And they can say, yeah, me too, but we're going to do this together. We're going to pray. We're going to get through this, encourage you or challenge you. And you need those people. And what these people are going to basically do is the same thing we've done this morning, right? I always say you can put an order of worship and you can kind of argue how all that goes. In the end, you praise, you pray, you preach. Even in your small group. Maybe someone's not standing up in a monologue preaching, but you're opening the word of God. You're worshiping God. You're praying. You're meditating on scripture. And what we're going to see coming out as they're squeezed is faith. But I want you to notice, this is really important, especially for those of you this morning who are feeling pretty good. And I'm glad you are. You're not feeling any great squeeze right now. And, And you're like, well, why am I here? Well, what comes out of them is what's already in. So all of those times of sitting under God's word, of being together, of hearing truth, right? Trying to, all of that, when the squeeze comes, that's what will come out. And so that's why you're here. Because maybe you're not being squeezed by something right now, but maybe tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you know what will come out. So you need your people and you need always to be sitting and simmering in God's truth, God's gospel. And so what spills out? Well, verse 24, faith. When they heard it, okay, they heard this this squeeze, this aggra- th- th- what the council said, their lives are threatened. It says, they, this is what they did. They didn't go, oh, we gotta get back at them. Right, they didn't say, oh, wait till I put this on Facebook. Right, they didn't say that. They didn't have Facebook, otherwise maybe they would have, I don't know. But instead, their first reaction is what? They lifted their voices together to God. They prayed together, and they said, here's what they said. I don't know if the whole group of them had this prayer worked out. Probably it was like when we pray, right? One person is praying, and the rest of them are like, yes. Amen just means I agree, right? I agree with that. So like if someone else maybe is praying, and you're just like, yes, yes, amen, Lord, yes. Because we're in one accord. We're all praying that together. And so this is what they first said, not help, not yet first thing they say, sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. That's kind of a weird way to start a prayer when you hear of this squeeze, when you feel this pressure, but it's actually the best way. Do you think God needs to be told he's the sovereign Lord and creator? No, because he's sovereign, which by the way, just simply means he knows everything and he's in control of all things, every hair on your head. And I know some of us have more than others. It's okay. Every second of your life, past, present, future. He not only knows about it, but he has full control. That's hard for us sometimes because things in life, things around us, don't seem good and seem out of control. And yet we know, we know God is sovereign. And so when you feel that pressure, these guys are feeling their life at risk, how important it is to say, God, you are sovereign. You have this. You're over everything. You created everything. A little easier to trust someone like that. But if you have a diminished view of who God is, it's hard to trust him. It's like if you came in here this morning, because we do the same thing, right? Like, like whether it's prayer, our songs are pretty much just prayers to music, right? And so, so you, you maybe walked in and you're like, oh, man, you overslept or, or uh, you had your kids with you and they're just be- misbehaving or they're giving you attitude. You got a baby and they're crying. And, and you, you get in here, you're like, shut up, shut up, and the first song sings. Okay, let's sing. And you're like, your mind is everywhere but on that right? And, and you don't even know why you're here. What's the point? I'm not ready. I mean, sometimes we're ready, but a lot of times that's the way you're, you're feeling. And then as we begin to sing some of these songs, like for one, I could have picked any of the ones we sang. Those are not chosen, by the way, to entertain you or to make you feel good. They're chosen to lead us to remembering who God is and why he's worthy of our worship and praise. And so like, I, I, w- w- you're, imagine you're feeling that way and then you begin to sing. Sovereign in the mountain air. Sovereign on the ocean floor. With me in the calm. With me in the storm. Sovereign in my greatest joy. Sovereign in my deepest cry. With me in the dark. With me at the dawn. In your everlasting arms, all the pieces of my life. From beginning to the end, I can trust you. In your never-failing love, you work everything for good. God, whatever comes my way, I will trust you. So we're commending the apostles of, of starting their prayer that way. You did too. Right? That's what we did. And, and, and maybe you came in here kind of like, I don't know, I'm all over the place. And eventually, right, the spirit works and your heart. is like you're, you're, you're singing this. Not because God needs to be reminded, oh, yeah, thanks, I forgot, right? But because we do, like we, he deserves the praise that we, we just need to remember because when you are squeezed, if you don't remember who the God is that's in charge of everything, or what happens is you worry and you doubt. And you're afraid. But as you sing and as you pray and you say, oh, God, you're sovereign. I don't understand why this is happening. But you have this. You've always had this. And faith comes out. And your reactions become become the way he wants, not the way in your flesh you want. And so they, 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 they pray, but I love this. Then it, uh, after saying that, they begin to pray God's word back to them. They're actually going to quote, and you can look at it later if you want, the very beginning of Psalm 2. Anyone ever use the Bible to pray? Anyone? I do it all the time. A lot of times I'm like, I don't really know what else to say. I, I'm not very creative. So I'll turn to the Psalms. Turn to the promises that Jesus gave at the second half of the Gospel of John or wherever and just pray using the Word of God. And they do that. And they use Psalm 2, which is a messianic psalm, which in their day, it was written that that, um, doesn't tell us in our Bibles David wrote it, but they must have known something we didn't because they attribute it to David. It makes sense because the promises, no matter who rages against the line of David, right, the anointed one from David, whoever comes against, God's got it. And an ultimate fulfillment in the anointed one, which just is what transliterated Christ or Messiah, who is Jesus, they will rage against. Watch how they quote quote it. Now remember, they're still praying. They're not preaching here, right? Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant God, and by the Holy Spirit, here's the quote, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Surrounding the story of the cross, it was everybody's perfect evil plan to kill Jesus. Boy, some people who don't usually like each other got together that day. Pilate and Herod and and the Jews and the Gentiles, I mean, all of them were together to kill Jesus and they did. And, and so they say that uh, in their prayer, they're, they're uh, saying this was fulfilled by Jesus. Look, for truly in this city, they're still praying, right? There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pont- Pontius Pilate, became friends that day, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever, now this is key, this is their prayer, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place crazy. What they're saying is their evil plan that they all came together on that was successful to kill God's anointed actually fulfilled the plan of God that he predestined long before any of them were ever born. That's how awesome God is. That the very people who killed them, he used that act to save them. Right? That's the God they're praying to. You see how you start to realize that, and you start to pray. You're like, you're the God who, this was not plan C or B, it was plan A all along. That no matter how bad it gets, and what was worse than that, the Sanhedrin come against us. They threaten our lives. Stop preaching the gospel. But we remember what you did with the worst thing. What will you do with this? We can trust you. Because you're sovereign, because this is your plan, even when it seems that it's darkest day, this is your plan, and it will work together for your glory and for our good. That's the kind of prayer you need. That's the prayer of faith, right? That that when, and here's the point I want you to see, when we are squeezed, we want faith to come out. It's our goal. It's one thing to stand there and go, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You? I'm blessed. Oh, it's great. But when you're squeezed, when something in life happens. Because life can squeeze, right? You ever lose someone you love dearly? It hurts. At two funerals, Friday and Saturday. Yesterday morning, 60, 70 people gathered in a funeral home. A 50-year-old had died. His parents are still alive. You should never have to bury your, your, your child. What do you say? I stand up there and they look to me. So what do I do? I always just point them to him. Your hope's not in me. I got nothing for you. But boy, boy, there is hope in Jesus. When you get squeezed, what do you believe? When you, when, when you lose that job you so dearly counted on, when the doctor gives you the phone call and says, we got to look into this quick, what, what happens? Right, I'm not saying you are human, right? I think, looking around, you look, look pretty human. So, so you're, you're, you're going to, m- most of the time, not always, most of the time, you might start this way, <laughs> right? A little angry, a little frustrated, scared, worried, right? But the point is, You'll eventually, because you have it in you, have faith. I remember um, a number of years ago, a few people in the church had said some things to me. I think they thought it would be helpful, and it was pretty hurtful. And um, I wish I could stand here and tell you my reaction was, oh, Wasn't that good? Worship team for me? No, no. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, right? Now, that wasn't my first. I was dirty water at first, okay? Right? Some anger, some like, what's the point? How come I'm the only job that people just read a book and think, oh, you have tons of education and experience, but I know better. How come I don't go to the engineer? I have all that going on in my mind, and none of it's good, right? That was first. That was first. But here's what I did, because it was in here. just had to get to it is get by yourself, get the book, right? On your lap, right? And you pray, and you tell God all that dirty water he can handle, and you pray. And you, God reminds you who he is, what he's doing, what he's done, his promises. And faith comes out. So if you don't know what else to do, you pray. As we're about to see, I'm jumping the gun, but that's okay. The language of faith is prayer. It's prayer. It's nothing, it's nothing uh, outrageously spectacular. But I want to, before I get to that, I, I want to apply this with the apostles. Because uh, life can squeeze you in all kinds of ways, right? But very specifically, they're getting squeezed in their faith. Right? And, and why were they surprised? If you are at all, at all right now, trying to live out the truth of Jesus Christ and his word, you're experiencing squeezing, right? If you're not feeling it, I'm not feeling it at all. Bad sign. Bad sign. And why are we surprised? And I'm, I'm the first to admit Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Doesn't the word tell us it's going to happen? They killed Jesus. They Killed all of his first... Like they, this, there is a spiritual enemy. We talk about this all the time. That comes against anytime time you try to stand upon the truth of God, try to live out his mission, and try to just share that with others Anytime he's coming. Because they hate. And they want lost people, lost in lies, lost in sin, broken. That's what the enemy wants. And so you can expect when your mission is for truth, for joy everlasting for people, to see people restored, forgiven, new life, you're gonna have an enemy that come against you. And the squeeze is gonna come, and you're gonna desperately need faith to trust even in this. Remember, he's the God who took the cross and made it the greatest event in all of history. He's the God that can take the darkness in your life and use it for your good and for its glory. Faith. And so, the language of faith is prayer. The language of faith is prayer. Some of you are so good at praying that I'm jealous, in a good way. It's always been a struggle. And I just say that like, it's just not that I don't pray, but I'm, way, I, I'll, and this is going to be really surprising to you, I'm sure. I'll be in the middle of a prayer, and all of a sudden I'm preaching. I'm like, God doesn't need to hear my sermon. He needs to hear my heart, right? And, and so it's back, like, I don't know if you have that issue. Some of you just, you are born prayer warriors. God bless you. We need you. Be patient with the rest of us, all right? But keep at it. And here's the thing. If you're like, I'm not sure if what, when I'm being squeezed, faith comes out. Well, how's your prayer life? Because that's all prayer is, right? It's, I trust God, and I'm asking God. I'm talking to God. I'm seeking God. I'm asking God for help. If I'm, because remember, the language of, of faithless is worry. How many of you have ever been worried? Go ahead, raise your hand. How many of you, keep your hand up, like to worry? You just enjoy it. <laughs> Dean and James, that's it. No, we don't. We don't like to worry, but we do it. I do it. That's why I my, have uh, my water bottle. Sums up my favorite passage where Jesus says, Don't worry pray. It says a lot more and much more eloquently than that, but it's summed up, right? Worry less, pray more. That's the faith language. So that's what you do. If you're not sure where to start, like, I want to squeeze out faith, start praying more. Get by yourself, book on your lap, and pray. Tell him the dirty water. He knows it anyway. Trust him with it. Trust him with it. So, uh, what did they ask for, right? What did they ask for? Verse 29. And now, Lord, they're still praying. I took a big break, but they're still praying. Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Now we're getting to the issue, right? The squeezing. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. We need courage and boldness in the face of the squeezing. Right? And, he, and, they, and they continue. And I love this, right? While you... Stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They've seen cripples walk. They've seen, they they want to see God do these miracles, but I want you to hear me. Not just, so, oh, great, a miracle, and it stops there. They're asking for God to do amazing, impossible things because they know and they want the door to open to the mission. Because when that crippled man was healed, they were like, tell us about this God. So here's what I'm saying to you. Don't hesitate praying for miracles. Don't stop praying. God, we want healing. I want to see that marriage, even though tomorrow's their divorce date to be restored. You can do it, God. I'm asking for it. But always pray with a heart that it will happen to open the door to the gospel because that's our aim. That's why we say another for Christ at any cost to us. That's what we want. That's what we want. We pray for boldness. And I want that for all of us in our life when we're squeezed, we can pray for boldness, to keep going. You see, to be on mission for God, it means that we stand upon his truth and we do not waver. And that sounds great in church. This isn't just a rule book, do's and don'ts. This isn't just a textbook for religious people. This is God's revelation from his heart to us. This is truth. And we desperately need boldness to stand upon it, live it out, teach it, share it, not because we want to be right, but because we want people to know the God of the book. And it's hard to do that sometimes. We need boldness to be able to stand on what this book says about marriage, about men and women, about sex and sexuality. We need boldness to stand on what it says very clearly about where life begins and how much God loves life. You try sharing that, you're going to get hate. You're going to get vitriol. You're going to get anger, Any of those things, right? But here's, I want you to hear me. Here's how we pray with that boldness. This is the only thing I was trying to think, because I was trying to think as I was going through this. All right, Lord, what does that look like, though? Because we can do that so poorly. And the answer is so simple. Ask for God to give you the ability to live it out like Jesus did. How did he do it? Was he ever shaking his fist? Yes, yeah, Sometimes. Usually at leaders who are taking advantage of people and using their religious and hypocritical ways that were doing damage to souls. Yeah, he called them basically rotting flesh inside of a tombstone, your whitewashed tombstone. He called them a brood of snakes. He got there sometimes. So sometimes we need to. Against the right people at the right time. But when, when Jesus came face to face with a person so lost and broken in sin, he did, he did a lot of things. But two that I want to point out that we need as well. Number one, he never, ever, ever, ever wavered from truth. Never. To make them feel better. But number two, he gave it in a way that was gentle and kind and merciful. In a way that invited them in rather than pushed them out. Because that happens. Like you can see both sides even today, right? Like with truth, shaking your fist and making everyone hate you. That's not helpful. Or Watering down and skipping over truth that people need because we're afraid of hurting their feelings can't do that either So that's why you try to man up and just be strong. You're gonna fail You got to pray Gotta pray Lord help me to know what to do how to do what to say when to share. I don't know. I don't understand I I remember um, if you guys go back a few years you remember Randy and Jean Morin and Randy went to be with the Lord. He died of, of cancer. Um, and But back when they were with us, a tragic, horrible death to Gene's uh, 20-something-year-old son from a previous marriage. I got the call late at night. Just imagine that hospital room. It, it, was, it was terrible. It was this worst scene anyone can imagine. And that rolled on. Eventually, we had a funeral. Now, Jean's, um previous marriage, their family are Jehovah's Witnesses, and Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. It's a, a cult. I know we use that word. It just it strictly means twisted version of biblical Christianity, right? They use a lot of the same uh, words, but they don't have the truth of the gospel, so she had that, and, and so some people were going to be there, so that's why we couldn't do it in the church because they're not allowed to go in another church. So we had to do it in a funeral home, which didn't make sense to me because it was going to be a huge funeral. We had a lot more seating, but instead we crammed into Buman's funeral home. If you were there, you remember a bunch of broken, sad, 20-something-year-olds wearing Bruins jerseys. He loved the Bruins, so that's how, I mean, it was like I walked in and I'm like, I thought someone was going to check me to the boards or something, you know. And, and it was already this, this sort of this feeling of loss like you can't imagine. And so we had the, the order of what was going to happen, and I officiated that. And usually you usually have speakers from the family, right? That's pretty typical. And they had one lined up from the other side of the family. And I was like, oh, is that really a good idea? And they're like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And at first it was. He was saying personal things. He's a pretty good speaker. But then he opened up his version of the Bible. Not the right truth of Scripture, his version. And most of the people in the room didn't realize it was so subtle what he was saying but I knew, and I mean, like, you get squeezes in your life that are days, whole seasons of your life, but then there's every once in just a moment, you're like, what do I do, right, and I'm like, I'm like, I know what I would do if that was here in church, I'd tackle them, I mean, I'm just being honest, right, but this is a, I don't want to be a a horrible, this is already a horrible room, people are so sad, they don't need to fight over theology, right, I don't need me to be stand up and be like, you. I'm like, that. I, like, I do not I So I, I pray this prayer, and it was so eloquent. It was amazing. Jesus, help me. That's all I said. What do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting in my chair. I'm like, I'm like do I stop? Like, you know, and so as I'm praying that, Jean was in the front row. She turns around, and she looks at, right at me. And I don't know what's up with you ladies, but you can communicate whole paragraphs Started with my mom, my wife, and the rest of you all got this gift. Guys, we just look. It's these dumb eyes. I don't know. Nothing nothing happens. But you guys communicate. And she looked at me, and all I could hear was, you stop this man right now. So, okay. I took that as the Lord's answer, so I stood up. I still, right, I'm still praying as I'm walking. And he sees me, and he goes, shuts the book, and he says, well, I think my time is up. And that was the only time I said amen for anything that he said that whole morning. And then he sat down, and it was my turn, and I had a chance to share to a broken, horrified room full of tears that there is hope, that we grieve but not as those who don't have hope. And I got a chance to point them to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ not some theology that might save you, not some work that might do it, that the cross and the resurrection points to the merciful, loving God who loved you so much He gave His only Son to die for you. And I had a chance to share that hope with boldness. It's one thing to do it in church. you get a few people to hate you for it, but most of you like it. That's why you're here. But there, you don't know. But it's like, Lord, how do I say it? What's the tone? Constant prayer, but I got to share it. I'm not looking. Uh, I, I'm not looking for the church to get bigger. I'm not looking for more people. I'm looking for more people to know the forgiveness of Christ and the restoration that takes place for all of eternity. That's why we say, "Another for Christ at any cost, any cost," because we so badly want you to know the truth. Because there's no hope anywhere else. That's the kind of faith all of us need and it comes by prayer praying for strength praying for help and praying for courage so the only line that we have today that wasn't their prayer was the response and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken i want to do that someday I guess I'm just not good at praying enough, right? So you're praying, the whole place shakes. And I'm like, yes, God. Someone's like, actually, there's an earthquake, you know. uh, But it was shaking. That's the presence and power of God. And they were all filled with the Spirit, right? So uh, God answers, and then what? They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So I've told you and we will continue to tell you through the book of Acts, that it is narrative. It's a historical narrative. That means it's true, but it doesn't mean everything that happens to everyone is going to be meant to happen to you. It could, right? God could make this room shake right now. Go for it. Hopefully our lights are secure, right? But the truth that we can expect to happen is when, that we can get from this, is when we pray for boldness to carry out the mission where he has us, he will answer. You ever heard that? Be careful what you pray for. Lord, give me an opportunity to share Christ with my neighbor. All of a sudden, they're watering the flowers. What would you do today? I went to church. Lord, why won't you give me an opportunity to talk to my neighbor? Just did. So, he will answer. But, last thing that I want to leave you with is you notice, God answers, we obey. Because they could have been like, room shaking, spirits filling, awesome, see you next Sunday. They didn't do that. They took that and they went out and they're in their squeezing threats to their life continued to share the good news of Jesus Christ. They obeyed. And they shared it with someone and then they shared, someone, and they shared it with someone and they shared it with someone and they shared it with someone and guess what? You all and me are here today. You're here for those of you in Christ. Yes, we have our heroes of the faith. We have them. We love them. But you're here because of everyday Christians who risked everyday lives for the mission of the gospel. And now is just simply our time, our turn. That unless the Lord comes back, and we're about to sing that He will, and I hope He does soon, right? Until then, there will be another group of people that will be worshiping God in this place or in some other place because you've been here your kids, your grandkids, the kids you taught, the kids, so, someone because we're here. We pray for God to give us courage and boldness, but then when he does, we obey. Let's pray. Lord, we pray because prayer is the language of our faith. We believe, we believe, we believe that you are sovereign, you are creator, you are over all things. All things do work to your good. We don't see it a lot right now, but we trust you with it. I'm asking, Lord, that you would fill your people this morning, both with us in person and online as well, with courage and boldness. We're afraid sometimes. We doubt. We get angry. But we need your courage to keep living the life where you've placed us the way you want us to live. Give us wisdom. Show us how and when and what to do. But give us courage. Help us to see our lives as a mission. To not just speak, but to show the merciful God who is everything to us. Lord, if there's anyone with us listening to this who has never trusted that gospel, that today you would open their eyes to faith and that they would just simply say, I believe you, Jesus you died for me and you rose and you're coming again in glory. Help me. And you would help them. You'd open their eyes. You'd show them they're forgiven. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that just simply and powerfully stands upon your truth and come what may, we give you the glory and the honor that you so richly deserve. And it's in your precious and holy and beautiful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our prayer to God through music. Let's pray.